This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Good morning. For those of you that do not know me, I am Pastor Mark. Pastor Ron is uh, taking a well-deserved break. And so this morning, I get the chance to, to preach with you today, and it's an exciting day for me, and, and the reason is twofold. One, I just love any time I get the opportunity to share the Word of God, but I also think it's very important, and I wasn't going to really mention this until this morning God put it on my heart, that I, and I've shared this even with a couple people this morning, that uh, I love it when the 4th of July lands on a Sunday, because it's a reminder to us for our priorities In fact, a lot of what I'll be preaching about today is priorities. And our priority of why we have the 4th of July. You know, and yeah, it's great to have picnics and it's great for family and it's great for the beautiful sun that we get to have in Michigan. But the reason that we're celebrating this is because there was a people 250 years ago that created a country that could have the privilege, the right, the legal right to worship their God. And, you know, we take that kind of for granted in this country. We don't realize there are many countries we could live in right now that we couldn't do what we are doing here today. And so I think it's neat that 4th of July landed on a Sunday so that we could start our day with a reminder that this country was based on on Jesus Christ and that that's where it all comes from. And that's why I believe that 250 years later, we're still, you know, if not the most powerful, one of the most powerful countries, most influential definitely in the world. So anyway, that was my, uh, my little spiel for today. What I really want to talk about today or what's God put on my heart is really quite interesting. I got to start out with a um, disclaimer, okay? And I have to do this for myself a lot. Um, I am a passionate individual. If you don't know that, just hang around with me for a little bit, okay? And you will find out that um, I can get my passion way in front of my reasoning, way in front of my common sense. Um, Yeah, I am the guy that only knows two speeds. And those two speeds are full blast or off, okay? And so today as I preach this message, I'm going to literally preach on the very thing that I believe God blessed me with or created me to be, and that is passion. I'm going to speak a lot about today is passion. And one of the things that happened to me about a year ago, well, a little over a year ago, was I started questioning something in our church, in the church as a whole, that was really bothering me. And of course, about a year ago, of course, we were just starting in this church to come back to church. We had uh, all taken that COVID break, if you want to call it that. And as people began to trickle back in, I was really kind of shocked, to be quite honest with you, because my expectation did not meet what reality brought. Uh, My expectation was that people would rush back that the house would be full, that people would have been so hungry because I was so hungry. Um, nothing against the online stuff, but it didn't work for me. It was, it was too disconnected. I like hugging people. I'm a weirdo, okay? I mean, that, that I like personal interaction. I like touching. I like seeing eyes. And, and it wasn't there. And so I expected it to come pouring back, and it really didn't. And I know, and I'm not, I'm not a 
talking about any of the, all of the political stuff. I'm just saying it didn't come back like I expected it to. And it kind of empowered something or a question that I have been having about the church and about Christians probably since I've been saved. And what that question really is, is, is what happens? Why is it? Or how can it be that a person can give their heart to the Lord? They can maybe come to this altar and, and surrender their heart to the Lord, or they can be in a living room, or they can be wherever, and they can have this intimate time where they surrender their heart to God. And then, whether it be a pandemic, or it be a series of maybe an offense, or it be even just time go by, they fall back, they fall away, and they don't have a continuation of that relationship. How is it that that happens, okay? And I guess maybe I don't understand it in a sense because that's not my personality, that's not my makeup. Like I just said, I am 110 miles an hour and that is normal for me. I mean, I can work with guys that are 25 years old right under a table because when I go, I go 100 miles an hour. And so maybe that's, that's easy for me, but I, I really couldn't understand it. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I started studying, you know, and asking God, where, where in your word does it talk about it? And I was, I mean, it's just, when you start focusing on something like that, God, just the words just start jumping off the page. And I thought, I've got to share this. I mean, this is just in my heart. I've really got to share this. And no more than I, I was thinking that thought, sitting in that chair right over there when Pastor Ron mentioned that I was going to preach on the 4th of July. And I thought, all right, I know what I'm preaching on. I'm going to preach on passion to commitment to passion. You see, we need to go from passion to a commitment to passion. I'm going to talk today a lot about marriage as a reference of exactly how God wants us to do this. And, and I think that marriage is an interesting thing because marriage in the Bible is referred to a lot of times as our relationship as the church to Christ. That we are his bride. We're married to them, to him. We're married to Christ. And so I'm gonna use that to help us kind of grab a hold. And I like preaching that way anyway. I, 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 I've been a teacher my whole life. That was a gift that I was given as young as I can remember. I've had the opportunity to teach in the school systems, obviously to preach, be a youth pastor. Um, it's been great. But I love it when you can take it and you can make it simple. And the biggest way to make it simple is obviously to correlate to things that we're accustomed to, that we're around. And so today, I wanna talk about that very thing. But let's start like we should always start, right? In prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. We come to you this morning, Lord. Let it not be just words. Father, words are everywhere. We hear words in the market. We hear words in the schools and at work. We hear words in our church. But Father, may these be transformational words. More than me, Lord, may the words come out of my mouth and may they change lives. Not because they're my words, not because they're my thoughts, not because they're my questions, but because they're anointed by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, it's, and you got to laugh sometimes how God works. Me and Juan did not talk at all. And my opening scripture is Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, which is exactly two parts of which you got in the offering message. So I want to start right there in Ephesians. And in, in this book of Ephesians, it's very interesting because it's really talking about us and who we are as the church. And it starts out with Paul saying, as a prisoner 
I'm going to emphasize that again. Prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to take a life worthy of the calling you have received. By completely, or be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to the people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be, and here is my sermon coming up, built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then there will no longer be infants tossed and back and forth by the waves and blown here and there to every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now that was a, a long opening uh, scripture, but I, I'm going to keep referring back to it. And if you'll catch your little things about it that you'll see that I'm pulling back to. But I want to start out that it all starts right here. It starts with a word called passion. Okay? And before I get into passion or into what I mean by that, I want to make sure you understand the definition of passion. Because Passion has different definitions in the world than it did in the Bible, in biblically, in the term passion. And I'm referring to it in the Bible term. And really it's broken, passion is, into three different usages of the word. And the first one is probably the one that all of you would think about right away, and it was the movie that came out, I don't know, a couple decades ago now, the Passion of the Christ. How many people remember that movie? Passion of the Christ. You know, and immediately all of us, when we hear that, we probably really wonder, well, what does that mean? The passion of the Christ. Well, the term actually that is used, and I believe that particular title for that movie is from the definition, and it's primarily from the Old Testament, and it really means to suffer, or the suffrage through, the suffering through something. Okay, now why is that an important thing? Because Jesus suffered through, really, quite a bit here on earth, from ridicule, to torture, to murder. He suffered through it, but he suffered through it for a purpose. There was an attainment at the end. There was a goal, there was an objective. So it wasn't just a suffering, because I don't know about you, but none of us like suffering. But I'm gonna tell you right now, every one of you needs suffering. We all need suffering in our life. We all need to suffer through things because you know what happens when you suffer through something? You grow, you mature. 
If you never suffered through something, you know what you would be? Spoiled brats. You literally would be wanting your way all the time because you're something special and you are something special to Christ. But the problem comes in is when we begin to realize that. Did you notice in the opening scripture that Paul starts out and he says, a prisoner to God, a prisoner. You see, that suffering is important because it matures us. That suffering, as we get through it too, does a lot for us. And one of the things it'll do for us, it will make us realize that there is something bigger than ourselves. Because I'm gonna tell you, there's things you can't get through. I know people who have lost children. You can't get through that without something more powerful than you to grab a hold of and to have alive inside of you. You see, there's a suffering that is a good thing because it matures us and it gets us through it and it turns our eyes towards Christ. And it's quite interesting because many, probably many of you have come to know Christ through a form of suffering. Sometimes it's the suffering that opens our eyes and makes us turn towards God. The other two terms of suffering that are used in the Bible, or I mean passion, I'm sorry, that are used in the Bible are more on the other end. And, and they're on the end of an emotion, emotionally, to have emotion that, that literally is like a yearning or a desire that goes over and above maybe common sense <laughs> or maybe reasoning. It's something that is more than you can even comprehend sometime. It's not explainable maybe perhaps, okay? I often think of a passion. When I met my wife, I remember when I met my wife, I was immediately enamorated. It was like, woo, yeah, you know? And, and I became passionate about her. Passionate to the point where she lived in New Era, I lived in Muskegon. I would get out of work, drive a lot faster than what the speed limit said, okay, <laughs> to just to get to her so I could spend a few hours and stay up too late and have to drive all the way back going faster than the speed limit said just so I could get five hours of sleep and make it back to the work the next day and then turn around and do it all over again. And there was a reason why, because I was passionate. I was passionate of who she was. I was passionate to get know, to know more about her. I was passionate to have a relationship with her that little did I know would lead to six grandchildren now. There was a passion there. And, and, and that's the type of thing too that God wants us to have with him is that type of passion. That passion where it's emotional and it's an emotional passion that literally leads to something that is really called agape love. And I'm gonna talk more about that in a little bit because agape love is the ultimate love. If you don't know what I mean when I say agape, there, there's four Greek words in the New Testament that refer to love. And agape is the highest of them. I'm not gonna go through all of them. I can. You can read on your own or I'll talk to you later after service, but, but agape love is an unconditional love. It's in a love that really has no definition. It's the love that God has for us. It's the love that God had that he sent his own son to be murdered for us. And I don't think sometimes we really wrap our, our minds around that. Because I mean, I honestly ask you, if somebody called you names, mocked you, lied about you, ridiculed you, would you put your own child up to be murdered for them? Because 99% of us, if we were totally honest with ourselves, would never do that. And yet God did. That's passion. 
That's passion. And it all starts with passion. It all starts with us having a passionate relationship with Christ. And you need to have that. In fact, I, I don't know if, I go, if I'm bold enough to say that without it. I question if, there, if you really have a relationship with Christ. At some point, there has to be an emotional connection you have with God. Okay? And I'm going to go back to marriage. Just imagine you had a marriage where there was no emotional connection. How would that go? Wouldn't go too well, would it? I mean, hi, honey. Glad to meet you today. Hope you enjoyed your day. Um, I was going to spend some time with you today, but instead, I've got other things that are more important than my schedule to do. How well, how well is that marriage going to do? Not well at all, is it? You see, that's the emotion that you have. And that's interesting because in our relationships, in fact, every one of you that's had a relationship, I guarantee you, you've had that. Now, of course, you might not be passionate expression like I do because I maybe am overboard. But you have a passionate expression that is an emotional connection, an emotional bond that you had with your spouse or you had in that relationship that I guarantee you is what took that relationship and moved it forward, okay? And when we don't have that in Christ, we have a real problem because then God is, is moved from a different place than he, he meant to be. In fact, I love that the Bible refers to God as Abba. And, and you know, Abba, a lot of people say, well, the definition of Abba is father. No, it is not. The definition of Abba is daddy, is there a difference between daddy and father? Big difference, isn't there? That's my father. I, I honor him. I look up to him. He's my daddy. Oh, no, I've got an emotional connection now. He's our daddy that we are connected to, that we have an emotional connection to. And what's really cool is that how that happens can be a variety of ways. I already shared with you, one of the ways can be through suffering. Many people have come to Christ because of a passion that created emotional connection to God or a bond, if you want to call it that. Others has come from other ways. One of the things I love about our praise and worship, and I rant and rave about our praise and worship to people, is because it can bring, music brings emotion out of you. How many of you, well, I, men, none of the men will admit this, but how many of you been in your car and just weeped when a song was on? Yeah, there's some hands, hands going up. All right. Weeped and cried over a song. Why? Because there's something powerful about words when they're put to a rhythm. <laughs> and you have to ask God why that is. In fact, if you don't know this, Satan himself, when he was in heaven, when he was the, 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 basically the greatest angel, he was in charge of music. I don't think it's a... Re it's, it's, Wrong to think that the reason a third of the angels might have left is because there was an emotional connection through the music that got a third of them to leave paradise. There's power in that. And God wants us to have that passion. But now I want to I carry that further because that passion has got to create a bond. Okay? It's got to create a bond, a connection that you have. Scripture tells us in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now catch that a little bit. I have been crucified with Christ. Do you see the passion? Do you see maybe in this case a word that would, you would think of as suffering, right? 
a word that would also bring a bond. I am taking Christ who suffered, and me is I am suffering to be with Christ. I'm connected to him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, this scripture gives us a very good definition of the passion that we should have for Christ, that we are emotionally bonded and connected to one another. Now here comes my problem. It's great, and I think everybody needs to go through that. But the problem that comes in, just like in a marriage, is if that point, if that emotion will require a continual stimuli. And if there's not that continual stimuli, what happens? Well, the passion wanes. The bonding wanes. It drops back from being, because you're not going to survive all on emotion. In fact, I have a saying that don't trust your emotions. Okay? Because emotions can lie to you. Emotions can make me go 25 miles over the speed limit to see my, at the time, girlfriend. And that's not what you should be doing, <laughs> okay? But it can, emotion can get us to do that. So we got to have that constant. So it's got to grow from being just an emotional response to the next phase. And that next phase is it's got to grow into a commitment. Now I'm going to go back to marriage. And I told you I was going to go on marriage a lot today. But we need to have this next form, this commitment form. Now think of a marriage for a moment. At some point in your marriage, you are going to become committed. What does it mean to become committed? I can describe it to you very, very simply. To put them before you. That's the definition of commitment. Commitment is when you put something before you. I don't like going to work because work is work. Okay, I don't mind my job. It's not bad. Okay? But the truth of the matter is, I have to be committed to going to work because I want to sleep in and I want to go to the movie theater and go on my Wave Runner. That's what I want to do. But I have to have a commitment to do that. In your marriage, you have to grow from having this passion to being committed to your marriage. Now you say it's an easy word to use, an easy word to throw out there. But the truth of the matter is, it's a little bit difficult to be committed. In fact, it's interesting what Scripture tells you how to become committed. Are you ready for this? Here's how you become committed. Luke 8, 14. I'm sorry, this is, uh, I've got my Scriptures out of order here. The Scripture that I'm going to give you right now explains why people fall away. And I want to make sure I get it because it's Luke 18. And it says, the seed, Jesus is telling a parable about the seed. And he says, with the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones that you have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to the maturity. In other words, that was a part on, on passion. What happens with passion is, is it wanes and eventually the other things in life weigh it out. But commitment is a stage where knowledge and maturity can and must blossom. And here in Philippians 1, 9, 11, it says, and this I pray, okay, that your love may abound still more and more. Now I'm going to pause just for a minute here. That your passion will abound more and more. That your passion will develop. That your passion will mature. That your passion will grow in your marriage, in your relationship with Christ, okay, 
in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to glory and praise of God. You see, this scripture is telling us that commitment, the first phase of commitment is knowledge. The first phase of commitment is knowledge and without that knowledge, I guarantee you, you're not going to be committed. I'll just give you the perfect example. I, I hate diets. How many people here like diets? Okay, the older I get, the more I realize I need diets. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, how successful would you be on a diet if you had no knowledge of calories, no knowledge of what foods are good or bad, what, no knowledge of any of the information that you would need to be successful at a diet? Nobody would do it. Because you wouldn't, first of all, you wouldn't even know what to do, would you? And see, the same holds true. A lot of times when we come to Christ, we come with this passion. But then there has to become a point where this passion begins to transform into knowledge. And what this knowledge is, is not the knowledge that puffs up, but it is the knowledge of who Christ is. It is a knowledge of why we're here today. It is the knowledge of what the Lord has planned for your life. My favorite scripture for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. You see, it's that knowledge of knowing that, that when I'm going through a time of struggle, when I'm going through a time where things don't go the way I want them to go, I have this knowledge of what God's plans are for me. His truth is for me. And his truth is that I have a future. His truth is that I have a hope. And his truth is that I prosper. And I know the world all looks at prosperity as money, but you want to know what I look at prosperity as? My marriage is better today than it was yesterday. My finances are better today than they were yesterday. My children have a better relationship with God today than they did yesterday. They prospered. I prospered. We prospered. And it is that truth and it is that knowledge that if you don't pursue it and you don't gain it, you won't be committed. And this is a big place where I believe a lot of people fell away during the, the COVID thing. Because there was passion there and we took away the stimuli. We took away the praise and worship. As beautiful as it was and intimate as it was with three people or two people, you guys were awesome at that. The truth of the matter was, there was no physical touch. There was no eye-to-eye -eye contact. There was no, the stimuli was not there like it needs to be there in a bonding relationship. And therefore, because there was no knowledge, people faded. They drew back. It's interesting, I talk about hunger a lot. I have two definitions for you for hunger. There's natural hunger and spiritual hunger. Did you know that? And here's the interesting thing about hunger. If you are physically hungry, and most of you are probably starting to get physically hungry because you don't eat breakfast, and I don't eat breakfast, and the coffee wears off, and all of a sudden you start physically getting hungry. If you go out and you eat a bunch of that ice cream in the parking lot, you won't be hungry no more. Spiritual hunger is the exact opposite. Exactly 180 degrees different. You see, with spiritual hunger, if you don't eat the word of God, and the Bible refers to it that way, by the way, if you don't constantly consume the word of God, you will lose your hunger for it. You will lose your appetite for it. You will quit desiring it. See how that happens? 
And yet, on the flip side, and here's what I love about it, if you begin to pursue the Word of God, if you begin to start going to church, if you begin to start doing devotions and going to small groups and, and youth group or whatever it may be, you get more of a hunger for it. I'm to the point now where I can't even comprehend missing church for any reason, ever. We go on vacation. One of the things we do, we book our flight, look for our church that we're going to go to when we're on vacation. Why? Not because I'm special and holy roller or pastor or anything. It's because I have such a hunger for it that I can't, ha I can't it's like, I, you're asking me not to eat this week? Seriously? Have you seen my tummy? I like food. I like Jesus Christ. I like knowing who he is, and I like having that. And you see, we need to pursue that, you guys. And this is where the discipline or discipleship comes in even. You, it doesn't come by not, you know, I tried something in college. I had this really brilliant idea. I'll sleep with a book under my pillow. And osmosis will go through and I'll pass the test the next day. It don't work that way. Your Bible on the end stand is not going to soak into your brain while you're sleeping. You see, it takes a commitment. Your marriage is not going to get strong if you don't commit yourself and learn about your spouse, what they like, what their quirks are, how to deal with their quirks. My wife is a safety freak. Safety wasn't even in my vocabulary till I met her. As I said, my speeds are full blast stopped. Those are the only two gears I have. And then I meet somebody that says, would you please slow down to the speed limit? What's the speed limit? You know? <laughs> I mean, we have to grow in that. We have to grow in our knowledge. And this knowledge will bring about maturity. Okay? Our walk with Christ requires discipline in ourselves into the abounding in real knowledge. Okay? We have to have this successful commitment requires maturity. I say all the time, more than me. How many people have ever heard that? I, I, in fact, I did a sermon on it a few years ago, or a few months ago, called More, More Than Me. You see, this is what maturity is, is more than you, more than me. I can do certain things. In fact, I can do quite a few things. I can build a house. I could probably build a skyscraper if I had to. I got a strong knowledge in it, okay? But staying married for all the years that I've been married now is more than me. Being a great father, a great grandfather, takes more than me. You see, you need more than me. And what maturity is, is realizing that you need more than you. In fact, the opposite of immaturity is immaturity. And immaturity is when it's all about you. You see, to mature in Christ means that you're going to realize that you need Christ. In fact, I would say one of the things that's missing in the church is we need the Holy Spirit. And we haven't been walking in the Holy Spirit very much in the church. We've been walking in Jesus. That's a whole other sermon. We need to walk in the maturity of Christ. And then as that maturity grows and gets stronger, now the third phase comes in. And this third phase is, in my opinion, really, truly, where this maturity blossoms. And this third phase is beautiful because what this third phase really is, is it is a commitment 
that transforms itself now back into passion. But it's a different type of passion, okay? It's not the same passion that you had when you met your wife. Now this passion is a passion that is based on maturity, knowledge, and an unimaginable love, an agape love. And you see, so many times, we don't allow that to happen. And here's a problem with commitment, by the way. If you never leave the commitment stage, you will become legalistic. If you don't know what that word means, most church people do. That means you'll begin to start weighing yourself or measuring yourself against other people. Well, I'm better than Juan because I do this or I know that. You see, it's got to turn back now around where all of this knowledge, all of this maturity, all of that original passionate affection you had for when Christ cured you of whatever it was or healed your marriage or brought you through that time of divorce or helped you with your finances and showed you and directed you or just was there when you needed somebody and you were alone, now has all grown back into a passion. And this passion is different. You see, this passion is a powerful passion. And what it does is it takes you beyond, again, reasoning. Let me explain. To be, have a passion beyond reasoning is when a child is in the road and you will jump in and push them out of the road and let the car hit you. Is there any reason in that? No. None at all. It's passion. It's a passion that you had, a a love that you had. And maybe it was just for human beings and that's a great thing or maybe it was your own child or grandchild. It's a passion. It's the same passion that Christ had for us as he remained silent on his way to the cross when he could have defended himself and in one word been out of the situation. It's a passion because his love for you was greater than what he reasonably should have done. And we have to all grow to having that portion. We have to grow. And the problem is, is we try to go back to the original passion, the stimuli passion, and it doesn't work. Your marriage is not going to be as intimate in the end as it is in the beginning. It's just not. I'm sorry. And if yours is, I need a lesson, okay? But I'll tell you what, my passion is way stronger in fact, I, said, I shared this with the elders this morning. There is nothing. In fact, one of my first questions I always ask people when I'm doing marriage counseling is what is the one thing that your spouse could do that would, would make you divorce them? And it's always the same answer. Every, I, never once have I had a different answer. And it would be, to, be in, to have an affair, to, to infidelity. And I told well, then you're not ready to get married. <laughs> when I say that, their jaws go, huh? What? You're not ready then. You see, there's nothing my wife could do to me that would make me fall out of love with her. You know why? Because I am impassionately in love with her. I am agape in love with her. Now the same got to come where you get with Christ. Where you want to know what? I don't care if people see me sitting in that front row dancing during praise and worship and pounding my fist. I don't care if people see me at the altar broken. I don't care if people see me out in public and they're talking about things and I keep relating it back to God and they think I'm a lunatic or a Jesus freak. I don't care because I am passionate. And it is a choice. 
But it's a cool choice, you guys. Here's the choice. Here's why it's such a cool choice. Because when you unleash it, it blossoms. So many times, and I'm really talking to a lot of men in this room, we don't unleash it. Well, what will they think if I raise my hand? Unleash it. Let it go. Why, man, my wife knows I love her. Why do I have to tell her? Dull. Unleash it. Unleash the hugs. Unleash the kind words. Unleash the raised hands. Unleash the altar. The place of permission. Where you say, God, I give you permission. I am yours. Do with me as you will. Passion. A choice. Agape love. They're really the same thing. And there has to be this progression that you go through. There has to be a progression. I want you to listen for a moment. David, King David, he's committed adultery. He had a woman's wife basically killed, murdered. He surrendered his heart to the Lord. And he sings a song or a poem. I don't know which one it is. And listen to the passion he has for Christ. You see, he doesn't weigh all of his mistakes. He doesn't weigh all of the things that have happened in his life. He doesn't weigh the 13 years he was chased by Saul. He doesn't take all of it. It is all accumulated up to this one point where he has this passion for God. And this is a passion we should have. And I'm going to, I deliberately took it in the King James Version, the old King James Version. Okay? Oh God. Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in the dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power, thy glory. So I as have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus I will bless thee while I live. I will lift my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. You hear that passion? over and above, more than he was. And God's calling us to have that same passion. I'm going to wrap up right here. You're at one of three stages sitting in this room right now. I really believe that. Every one of us. You're at the stage where maybe you haven't quite made the commitment or the passion, the original passion. Maybe you're you're taking the slow road. You're just going to check this church out first. You know, check out God, make sure he's who he says he is. But you're hurting, you're, you're longing, there's something inside. It's called eternity, Ecclesiastes. Eternity is inside of all of us. It means that there's a yonging, a longing, I'm sorry, for Christ. You're being drawn to Christ. You might be at that stage. You might be at the second stage where, where you've had that moment and you, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and you're maybe in or in the waning stages of that original, that first love, that first passion. 
but you haven't made that commitment yet. Yeah, the Bible's okay. I don't understand it. I hear people say that all the time. I don't like to read. I don't understand it. Poppycock. <laughs> That's a bunch of malarkey, as our president would say. There's no way. The Bible's wrote in every translation under the sun nowadays. I mean, if you, are, you don't, I mean, you, there's just no reason. There's no excuse. There's a church on every corner. And this one's awesome. Maybe you're at that stage. And it's time to make a decision to be committed. There's a time to step out and start doing those discipline things. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you've done that. And yet, you're in a dry and thirsty place. You believe that you, you have knowledge and maturity in Christ. And yet, you're thirsty. It just isn't... It isn't fulfilling. It, it, it almost feels empty or void or lacking flavor. You see, if you're at that place, what you're lacking is the passion. You're lacking the second phase of passion. And that second phase of passion is already in you. It's already there. It's, it's ready to burst at the seams. But you have to let it. You have to let it. You have to let go. You have to open the door. You see, that's all it is, is permission. And when you do, you might embarrass yourself. Who cares? When you do, you're going to find out that God becomes something that is so satisfying that it doesn't matter where you're at in life. He's there with you. You fall in agape love, unconditional love with him. And no matter what happens around you, even though there'll be hard times and easy times, it doesn't matter because you are his and he is yours and God is good all the time and he's going to get me through it and I'm going to praise him. I'm going to meditate on him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to raise my hands. I am going to be his because he loved me first. You see, that's the passion that you get to choose. So you're at one of these places today, and I'm not going to ask you which one you are. All I'm going to say is, are you really happy being there? Because if you're not, then take a step. Go to the next level and watch what happens. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity, Lord, the opportunity to be here the opportunity to hear your word, the opportunity to praise and worship you, the opportunity to be with other people that, Lord, some love you and maybe some don't, but it doesn't matter. We're in the presence of your children, the opportunity to laugh and to hug and to handshake, the opportunity to come to this altar, the place of permission and pour out our needs, our desires, our hurts and our joys for you. We thank you for all of that, Lord. And today, Lord, we make a commitment to you that we're going to take a step, a step, and grow in the next level or the next progression that we have in becoming mature, 100% fully devoted Christians. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.
We'll see you next week.